series beginning tonight. And uh, I need some help here. I've got some handouts for you. I want to distribute these. Uh, when everybody, uh, I've got 25 copies. So, uh, you know, when they're gone, they're gone. But I'm going to let you write, uh, write a little bit. So if you've got a pen and, and a pencil, and then grab your Bibles and turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. I love the book of Joshua. It's one of my absolute favorite books in, in the Old Testament. I've always loved it. I always love to go back to it because I love to see what God is doing. So the name of this is Joshua winning the battles of life. I'm going to be drawing some information from a book that was written by this same title uh, by a professor by the name of Paul Toms. He's dead now. He's been gone for several years but he wrote a wonderful book by this title, Winning the Battles of Life. I don't even think you can get the book anymore. I've looked. I wanted to try to get some, but they're not in print. That's how old they are. Now, let me tell you something. There, there's some power in some of those old books that were written by Holy Ghost-filled, Spirit-filled men and women of God. And uh, so anyway, there's some good stuff coming out today, but there's some awfully good stuff back there as well. So rather than uh, reading the entire chapter and then coming back to it, we're just going to take it as we go, okay? And uh, if you don't mind reading, I may, I may let, ask you to read some passages of Scripture and, and let's just kind of make this a deal where we're kind of interacting with one another and, uh, and it's going to be a good, uh, good series. So here we go, Joshua chapter 1. Does everybody have a handout that wants one? Did everyone get one? No? Uh, maybe husbands and wives share or something like that, and we'll make some more uh, as, as we go forward. Okay, here we go. Joshua chapter 1. How many of you uh, remember reading a book many years ago, a novel that was written several years ago that started off, it was the best of times and the worst of times. Joshua is kind of one of those books. It was described that way by by many scholars in the similar light, in this sense. In the one sense, uh, the book of Joshua was very low point in terms of, of obedience to the revealed will of God. In other words, the people of God knew what God's will was, but up to this point, they were not willing to obey it. They weren't willing to abide by uh, the will of God. So it was a very low point in terms of obedience to the revealed will of God. But on the other hand, it was also a high point in the faithfulness of God. In other words, God said, even if you're not obedient, I am still going to make sure that my purposes are fulfilled. I'm not going to let your disobedience throw my plan off track. I'll raise up other people if I must, but my will will advance. And so in that sense... It, it was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. Now, by way of introduction, chapter 1 uh, identifies three elements that we're going to look at tonight of transition that are taking place here in Israel and with the leadership. And so let's just jump right in, chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, let me read it, and then we'll go from there. Now, I'm reading tonight from the NIV. I usually use the ESV, but I like the way it reads in the NIV, so that's what I have tonight. Verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, 
the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses ate. Now I'm going to stop there. Here's what I want you to focus on. I want you to focus on these words after the death of Moses. There's a transition that's taking place. So the first thing that we want to look at tonight, go to the first slide if you will, and then go ahead and put the word in the fill in the blank, is the continuity of God's work. The continuity of God's work. God's work, and here's what you need to know about this and the point I'm trying to make. God's work in this season of time actually started all the way back in Abraham. Abram. When God came to Abram and he said to him, I'm going to move you from where you are to another place, but you're going to have to trust me. And you're going to have to follow me, but I'm not going to reveal to you where you're going to go. Not yet. I just need to know, are you going to go? Are you going to follow? And of course, we know that Abram did. He packed up, he got his family, he got those around him, and he started moving in the direction of God. And so he, he fulfilled all that God had for him to do. But he did not see all of the fulfillment of God. He did not see all of the fulfillment of the plan of God in his life. And so when Abram came to the close of his life, he's now Abraham, identified as the friend of God, having the promise of God, having not seen all of the promise of God fulfilled, Abraham died. But the story was not over because as history continues, it, it, it moved on uh, through the patriarchs and, and even up to the life of Moses when Moses stepped into the picture and kind of took up the mantle and started moving in the similar direction, fulfilling the will of God that had been poured out even in Abram's day. So God's work continued through the life of Moses. But Moses would not see the fulfillment either. In fact, Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land. You remember? And so he did not get to see the fulfillment of all that God was wanting to do. So it came through Abraham. He was faithful to the, to the point that God intended him to be. It, it, it moved up through the ranks to Moses. And Moses was faithful uh, to God. And, and, but he didn't see the fulfillment. And so now we come to Joshua chapter 1 verse 1. And it says Moses is dead. So now what are we going to do with the plan of God? Because Moses is dead. What are we going to do? Well, the answer is, is that God has already raised up someone to step in and to carry on the will of God that he has. So Joshua now has been commissioned by God to continue the work that was started in Abraham. Next slide, if you will. Joshua teaches us that God works through a blank but blank process. Anybody want to take a guess? Would anybody like to take a guess on these blanks? Joshua teaches us that God works through a blank, but blank process. I'll give you a shot at it if anybody's brave enough. Okay. The first blank, well, I'm sorry? Close. The first blank is delayed. Go ahead and put that there. Works through a delayed 
but the next word is progressive process. Now here's what you need to understand. Even when you may find yourself in a season of delay, God is still progressing you. He is still progressing his will in your life. Even though it may look like a delay to you, God is moving you forward. He may be building your faith. He may be strengthening you in the midst of the battle. He may be letting other things align themselves with his will. But he doesn't have you cold stopped in your tracks. He's just got you delayed, but you're still progressing in the will of God. And that's the way it is. That's what Joshua teaches us. That God works through a delayed but progressive process. Now, that next slide, if you will. Joshua always also teaches us that God's work is not blank on man. Anybody want to take a guess on that one? Dependent. That's it. Joshua teaches us that God's work is not dependent on man. God started it in Abraham, but it wasn't going to quit because Abraham died. He continued it through the patriarchs, and he wasn't going to stop it because the patriarchs died. And then he, he, he continued his will through uh, Moses, but when Moses died, God didn't just throw up his hands and say, well, now what am I going to do? No, God already had picked out the man to move forward, and his will was going to move forward. Abraham and Moses died, but the work of God continued through Joshua. Did you know that you're continuing a work that was started in someone else before you ever showed up on the scene? Did you know that you're a continuation of God's blessing upon someone else? I don't care if you're the first one in your family to ever trust Christ. It did not start at that moment. Because God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He had a plan for you before your mommy and daddy even thought about you. God said this individual is going to come into an existence. And it's going to be someone that I can trust. And I'm going to implant my will and impart my anointing upon them. So you are fulfilling someone else's uh, walk. Next slide now. Here's the second thing that we see. First of all, we saw the continuity of God's work. Now we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Joshua 1 and 2. Grab your Bible. Let's look. We've already read 1. Let's read 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them. Okay, so now we see the continuity. Now we see the commissioning of Joshua. In other words, God now is speaking directly to Joshua. This is not the first time that Joshua has been commissioned for this job. Grab your Bible and go back to Numbers chapter 27 with me if you will. Numbers chapter 27 and let's read verses 18 through 23. You there? Numbers 27, 18 through 23. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hands on him. 
and have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority so the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eleazar the priest who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out, and at his command, they will come back in. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord instructed through Moses. Now, turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 3. So his first commissioning has already happened now. He's been commissioned. Now, chapter 3, Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 28. You there? You ready? Here we go. But commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land that you will see. So, now think about it. Now, he's already been commissioned twice. He's commissioned once, and then, and then he's commissioned a second time. He's encouraged. He's strengthened. But then God says in Joshua chapter 1, he said, I'm through commissioning you through Moses and the elders. I'm going to talk to you now. I'm going to commission you now. I'm going to use my voice and my spirit to speak directly to you. And that's what we see in Joshua chapter 1 verse 2 where God says, Moses is dead, now then you. I could stop right there. And the message is clear. Moses is gone. Joshua, you were commissioned way back then. Now I, the Lord your God, am saying to you, it is now your baby, buddy. Run with the vision and go and don't be afraid because I'm going to help you. So he's commissioned by his elders. He's commissioned by his mentors. He's commissioned by the, the generation, if you will, before him. And now God himself has laid his hand upon him and spoken to him and commissioned him. So we, we see the continuity. And then we see the commissioning of Joshua. And then we see that there is a claim to spiritual blessings. Now take your Bible Go back to Joshua chapter 1 with me, and let's look at verses 3 through 9. Joshua chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. You ready? I will give you every place. How, how many places? Every place. every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. So in other words, God's going to give Joshua something that he promised Moses, but Moses did not see the fulfillment of. So there's the continuity. He said, I promised it to Moses. He didn't get to see it, but you're going to see it. He said, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you 
all the days of your life. Not just on Mondays, not just every other day. He's saying, listen, dude, every day you draw breath, you need to know that there's not an individual on the face of the earth that is strong enough to stand in your face because I am with you. As I was with Moses, he says, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. So be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Say successful wherever you go. Successful wherever you go. Successful wherever I go. Successful wherever I go because God is with me and will not leave me nor forsake me. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth but meditate on it. That word meditate there can mean chew on it. Digest it. Make it so that it can bring nourishment to you. Amen? Do it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. There's that word successful again. There's that word prosperous. You will be prosperous and successful. Now that doesn't mean you're going to be a millionaire. Not all of you are going to be millionaires. Some of you will never be a millionaire. But you can still be prosperous. You can still be successful. You can still be blessed and highly favored. Even though you don't have a dime in your bank account, you can be successful in the eyes of the Lord. Somebody ought to say, praise the Lord. He said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Boy, he said that a lot, hasn't he? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now back to the main point here. See if you, did you already put it up there? Yes, spiritual blessings. We have the right to claim the spiritual blessings that God has set aside for us. Now I don't know if you know this or not, but when I was a kid growing up, every church of God in the world, it seemed like to me, collected Campbell's Soup labels. How many of you that grew up in the, the old Church of God years ago, you remember collecting Campbell's Soup labels? You know why? And I didn't know this until just recently. They're still doing this. If you can collect a million Campbell's Soup labels, they will give your organization a brand new van. Brand new. All you have to do is send in, in the labels. And, and we did that, man. I'm telling you, every time we had a function, say, so you got any labels? You got any labels? Get you some chicken noodle soup and bring the labels over here to us, you know. And we collected Campbell's soup. Did your church do that, Donna? I mean, I'm telling you, it, was, it must have been in Scripture somewhere. Thou shalt collect Campbell's soup labels. It sounds crazy, 
But I at the Home for Children, I just saw it the other day. They just collected a million labels from Church of God congregations all over the United States. And they took them and turned them in. And Campbell's gave them the keys to a brand spanking new van for their orphanage. I know some of you are thinking, now I can see it coming. We're going to be eating so much soup around here. No, here's the point I'm trying to make. Campbell's, the company, said, here's something that we will do. We'll make you a promise that if you'll do this, we'll do this. And you can hold us to it. We'll be faithful to it. And they have been. But it takes eating soup and saving the labels. But if you do that, you can turn them in for the blessings that God has. Now, now here's what I'm saying is that in this instance, God has just laid out in verses 3 through 9, if you'll be strong, courageous, not be terrified, here's what I'm about to do. I mean, they're not going to be any guesswork on it. You're not going to have to question it, wonder about it. If you will do this, I am going to do that. So what kind of things are we talking about? Well, next slide, if you will. The first thing is, is that we have a right to be free from fear. Free from fear. Look, look at verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Don't be a weenie dog. Be strong and courageous. Stand up. Square your shoulders. Get in the face of the devil and tell him who you are in Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. Look at verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and what? Courageous. And he's not done yet. He says, do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You have your Bible? Go with me to John chapter 14. Is it okay if we use the Bible every now and then around here? I didn't know if you would really allow us to do that or not. John 14, verse 1. Somebody want to read it? John 14, verse 1. Go ahead, Lee. Let not your heart be what? Troubled. Troubled. It's speaking of an absence of fear. An absence of fear. Now listen, the only way that we can walk in this is to put humanity down. Humanity in us down. To put flesh aside. Because if you walk in the flesh, trust me, you're going to be afraid sometimes. Because this is not a fleshly battle. It's a spiritual battle. And so if we're fighting a spiritual battle, we cannot fight a spiritual battle in, fle in fleshly warfare. So we have to set aside the fear, and we have to be courageous. And when we are courageous, then we will be able to do what we need to do without fear. Listen, we're not set free from problems, nor does Scripture ever say that we will be free from difficulties. But the Bible does say that the believer in Christ may be set free from fear. 
Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation, trouble. You're going to be vexed in your body, vexed in your soul. But that's where the line is drawn. Because the Spirit is where God lives and dwells. And you have the ability and the anointing to let your spirit rise up in you and control the soulish emotions and the physicality of the body and to overcome anything fear-wise. We're going to have difficulties. We're going to have problems. But we have the authority in Jesus Christ to look them square in the eyes and say, I am not afraid of anything that I might face. Now, it's easy to say all this when you're standing in the pulpit and when you're preaching. But let me tell you something. When, when you're dealing with life and you're out there and you got junk happening in your life, it's much easier to slip over into the fleshly side of things. Amen? And that's where the devil wants us to be because he knows that when we're operating in fear, we can never operate in anointing. But if we can shake off the fear and step into the anointing, then my God is able to do all things according to his power that lives and dwells in me. So how does that relate to Joshua? Well, four things. Next slide. Joshua did not have to fear Moses' reputation. I mean, he's following Moses. This, this is the dude that split open the Red Sea. And here he is. He's been his associate pastor. He was on staff. He witnessed all this. He saw all that. He, he heard all the people rejoicing. He watched when the ladies got the timbrels and started dancing. And he, he saw all that. And now he's the main dude. But he didn't have to fear the reputation of Moses because God says, by the way, he's dead. They ain't going to be dancing over him anymore. He's gone. He's dead. He's up here with me. It's your baby now. But just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. So the things that I did for Moses, I'm going to do for you. The rejoicing that we saw out of Moses' ministry is going to be similar. Because I'm going to be with you. It's going to happen. So he didn't have to fear Moses' reputation. He didn't have to fear his age. Do you know how old Joshua was at this point? Anybody, anybody know? I know Bill Dietz knows. So you can't answer. Anybody know how old Joshua was at this point? 80 years old. That's how old he was. 80 years old. He wasn't, afraid. He wasn't going around, okay, I think I can do this. Let me go down and get me a little physical therapy first and then I'll be ready to go. No, he was full of energy and strength and anointing. And he wasn't afraid. You don't hear him talking about, oh, I'm old, man. I, I'm decrepit. I can hardly get up out of my chair. I need, a, I need somebody to help me put my shoes on. Could you tie my shoes? I can maybe get them on, but I need you to tie my shoes. And, and by the way, will you just hold me up so that I can do this? No, you didn't, hear, you didn't see any of that. All you saw was a man of God standing in the power of God and the strength of God and saying God has declared therefore let's get ourselves up and ready and go in the power of his might 
He didn't have to fear his age. He didn't have to fear his enemies. You say, but didn't AI come out and beat him and defeat him? Yeah, but it was Joshua's fault. And we'll, we'll see that here in a few weeks when we talk about that. But he, he got a little too big for his spiritual britches. And he went after AI without having consulted with God first. How many of you know God wants to direct our every decision and choice? Not a few of them. Not just the ones we have to make on Monday. He wants every decision to be directed by the righteous man's steps are directed by the Lord. Every step. Not every other step. Not every, every few steps, but every step is directed of the Lord. He didn't have to fear his enemies, and he did not have to fear a lack of resources. Because God had already told him he's going to, what he was going to provide for him. Okay, so the first spiritual blessing, my back TV's not working, so i got to keep hitting my phone so I quit before 8 o'clock, is that we have to possess our possessions. Go to the next slide. Yeah, possess your possessions. Let's look, verse 10 through 15. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready, get your stuff, get your junk, because in three days we're going to cross the Jordan here and go in and take possession of the land that your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you? The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land on the other side of, of the Jordan. He said, Your wives, your children, your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men armed must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you and until they too have taken possession of the land that your, the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. So, what he's saying here is, is that God's already provided it. But we have to go get it. We have to take it up. We have to possess it. See, up to this point, the Israelites received daily manna. All they had to do was walk outside their tent and pick it up and eat it. They didn't have to provide anything. But now, the season has changed. And they have to provide their own stuff. Well, where's it going to come from? The same place the manna came from. Because God had promised to give him everything you needed. So there are times you got to get your stuff ready so that you can receive the blessings of God. Here's a quote I want to give you. It should be on your page. Use what you have to get what you need. You use what you have. And brother, Uncle, Uncle Doug, just a couple days ago, he said, I asked him, I said, you getting your tomatoes ready? Are you ready? He said, I'm ready. He said, I'm getting it together. He said, I'm putting it together. Is it July 8th? Is that the date you gave me? He said, listen, let me tell you something, Pastor. July 8th, I'm going to be bringing tomatoes to your house. I said, hallelujah, glory to the Lamb. But you know how that's going to happen? 
he's going to take the seed that he has and he's going to put it in the ground or in, in probably in a starter cup and, and let it get started and then he'll transfer that out into the ground a, a, into the good soil and they're going to grow up and make tomatoes. But let me tell you, he will never get the first tomato unless he is willing to put the first seed in the ground. You got to put your stuff in the ground so that God can take it, break it, multiply it, and bring harvest into your life. We have to use everything that we've got for the glory of God. I refuse to die hoarding a bunch of stuff that could have been used to advance the kingdom of God. If God gives it to me, as Sister Dorothy likes to say, then he will get it through me. Because, hey, I'm laying up treasures in heaven. I want to be able to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We got to use what we have. Next slide. God will portion your resources as they are needed. On the very back page, this is today's devotion. This is going to sound like a commercial, but it's really not. I'm trying to give you as many resources as I can put in your hands this year. The men are reading a devotional book by Tony Dungy. Been reading it every day. Why? Is it because it's so theologically deep? No, because I'm trying to get you to discipline your life to bring in the Word of God. I'm, I'm trying to give you tools. Our young adults are doing two-minute Tuesdays. I was blown absolutely away yesterday when I saw the analytics on the two-minute Tuesday that Stephanie uh, Williams did on Tuesday this week. Over 2,700 people were reached by that one two-minute video. That blows my mind. I took a picture of it, a screenshot, sent it over to some of them. I said, can you believe this? 2,700 people saw this video. Blows me away. And now we've started this little daily devotional. You can find it at thespiritlife.org. And you can go on there every day and you'll see a little devotion. Here's the one that I wrote today. It's appropriate for our lesson tonight. You ready? Exodus chapter 23, verses 29 through 30. It says, I will not drive them out before you in one year. Lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little. Can you say little by little? Can you sing little is much when God is in it? That's enough. I'll, I'll just keep on going. Little by little I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. Let me read it to you. God expects us to move forward and advance in spiritual growth and understanding. After all, he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And he wants us to possess them in the here and now. But we need not expect to possess all our blessings at once. In this passage of scripture, God indicates that he will drive out the enemy, but he will not do it in a year. Instead, the extraction of the enemy would be accomplished little by little. The Israelites were not fully prepared to receive such a magnanimous victory at once. Instead, 
God told them to expect incremental victories that would increase as they became more prepared to protect the land from the wild beast and the enemies that would multiply against them. And here's a prophetic word for you today. God was saying, be faithful in your right now moment. Be responsible with what is already in your hand. Take one step at a time with your eyes focused forward and in due time. Say due time. I will open the door to additional opportunities and accompanying resources. You see, when I progress little by little, it trains me to trust God. It causes me to be dependent on Him. It keeps me in a perpetual state of expectation. Because I'm human, I have a tendency to want what I want when I want it. Anybody else feel that way? I would prefer to fight one battle, win it, and sit back and revel in victory and drink some lemonade under the tree. Why can't I have it all now, God? Aren't you able to provide the total victory in one fell swoop? Of course he is. But it is not always in our best interest for it to happen that way. It takes time for things to develop so that we are adequately prepared and God is glorified. Oftentimes, the anticipation of victory heightens the celebration of the victory. Isaiah wrote, therefore, will the Lord wait so that he may be gracious to you? So while you're waiting, remember there, that there is a moving, growing dynamic to your faith. God will lead you through the land, little by little, until you are increased enough to inherit the fullness of of the Lord. Amen. I may not get done, but I'm, I'm doing the best I can. Let's move on quickly. I, I gave you in your notes the link to that devotion. You go to that every day and there will be a devotion there. It should be in there. It's the spiritlife.org. The next thing, ne next slide now. Value and utilize your influence. God has given you influence. Look at verses 16 and 17. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so will we obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Now there are two things that are required when, you, when you're talking about utilizing your, uh, your influence. The first, one is, the first one is responsibility. And you've got to be responsible to actually use it. When, when Scripture says stir up the gift of God that is in you, then you have a responsibility to do what you have to do to get it stirred up. I didn't tell my wife this the other day. I've been... I've been cooking some since she's been volunteering in the daycare. I am not a cook. I put on some green beans the other day because she likes green beans. I, couldn't, I don't care that much about them, but I eat them and she likes them. So I put some green beans on. I went and sat down on the couch and started watching Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And I forgot about the green beans. And I burned the beans like nobody's business. I didn't want her to know it. I turned the fan on, the house on. I febrezed everything in the house. I flushed the beans down the toilet. 
I put, I, I, I scrubbed the little pan that I had burned the bottom of. It was black. I, scr- I got out the Ajax. I scrubbed, I scrubbed, I scrubbed. I'm watching at the watch. What time did she get off? What time will she be over here? Lord, favor me. Help me, God. Give me favor with this, this stuff in this pan. And I put some new green beans in. And I started them all over and I got them all ready to go. And when she walked in the door, she was not one bit the wiser. She was thankful for the green beans. But she didn't know what I'd been through to get to that place. I didn't stir it up is the point I'm trying to make. And God's told you to stir it up. And if you don't stir it up, you're not going to be blessed. You're not going to be able to use your influence you got to stir up the gift of God that is in you. And then the other thing is mutual trust. Joshua would have to trust the people, and then the people would have to trust that Joshua was leading with integrity. And then one final point, and then I'll be done. What time is it? Oh, I've got a whole minute. Praise God. I can do a lot in a minute. God's word must be Anybody want to guess? The standard. God's word must be the standard. Look at verses 7 and 8 with me again. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Verse 8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Speak it. Meditate on it. Day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. I could preach all night just right there on that. You know why so many people are sucking air when it comes to being successful Christians? It's because they're not even making any attempt whatsoever to do what the Word of God says to do. Listen, when you start applying the Word of God in your life, it's going to make a difference. But here's one other point I want you to see. Verse 18, look at it. And then we'll be done. Whoever... Now, who's talking here? The people are talking to Joshua. They're saying, whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them, will kill them. That's what it says. It says, they will be put to death. Only you be strong and courageous. Two things you need to know there. The first is that the people honored Joshua's words as if they were the very words of God. They said, look, dude, if it comes out of your mouth, we're going to do what you say do because we believe that when you speak, you will be adequately expressing the word of God. Did you know that you have the authority to use the word of God in your life? 
to come against devils and demons and every power and every thought that might raise itself up against the knowledge of God. You have the authority because of the Spirit of Christ living in you to speak to the mountain and it has to remove from your pathway. They said, we just have one request, Joshua, just one. If you're going to speak, speak with courage. Speak with faith. Speak with authority. Don't mealy mouth around. Don't say, I, well, I hope so. I, I'd like for it to be like this. If, if God will, you know, if, it, if God will do it, you know, then we'll, you know, praise God. Glory, hallelujah. No, they said, we don't even want to hear that kind of stuff coming from our leader. We want to hear the vision of the Lord. And when you speak, we want you to stand up and square your back and say, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. In three days, we're going to cross this river. So you better get your backpacks ready, guys, because we're going across to where God wants us to be. And we're not stopping until he's finished with us. Some of us just need to learn how to speak with authority, including your pastor. And if you ever take a chance and pray for me, please pray that I will speak with authority. Not my opinions. I'm not going to use this this pulpit to politicize and, and give you opinions of man. But if God will help me whatever time left I have in this life, I want to declare the word of the living God because that is what will set men and women free. Not my opinions. Amen.